Hi, it's Rebecca Whitman, your host of the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant Show. I'm a top-rated life coach, an international best-selling author, and a multi-passionate entrepreneur. I'm on a mission to help you go from burned out to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. The experts on this show will help you achieve work-life balance so that you can experience abundance in seven pillars of life, spirituality, health, emotions, romance, mindset, social, and financial life. When you have all seven pillars of life in alignment, you are balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Let's go. Welcome to session 13. I am so thrilled that you've found us here in the series No Longer Abused. And I'm so happy you found this series. And I want you to know you're in an incredibly safe place to recover from the effects of abuse, whether it's physical abuse, psychological abuse, uh, sexual abuse, uh, dating a narcissist. I mean, we cover all of it in our teachings, I have brought together in the last 12 weeks prior to this uh, series recording that we're doing today, amazing women who have written books that offer you uh, solutions to recover from abuse. I know that when I was healing over the last 11 years, I leaned on a lot of other women what they had gone through to recover from various areas that abuse touches, financial, spiritual, romantic, sexual, friendships, masculine, feminine. And that has enabled me to write my own book, No Longer Denying Sexual Abuse, Making the Choices That Can Change Your Life, put that out in the world, and then invite these incredible women to come forward and add their additional teachings because we recover when we're in a tribe and we all speak out and talk about our own experiences. And, and that sort of tips off what we're going to be talking about today, shame. Shame is so big. Shame can suffocate us and make us not live the biggest lives that we've been set out to live. And unfortunately, the people that come along in our lives, whether it's in childhood, whether it's in adulthood, that abuse us in some way, trigger those sort of inherent human tendencies to feel shame and less than and low self-esteem about ourselves. And our job when we get away from our abusers, when we start to learn that we get to have an amazing, beautiful life, is to start to practice um, you know, behaviors that can teach our brain, change the neural pathways, and help us to see that we no longer need to live in fear and shame. I'm going to introduce myself, but first I just want to talk about the journey we've been on up till now. If you're joining us for the first time today, that's okay. These are standalone sessions. You are going to learn so much today about emerging from shame. And if you have not gone back on our landing page, no longer denying sexual abuse.com. There are the recordings of the first 12 sessions. We start for a reason with remembering. That is the first session because that is that seminal moment where you either remember you were abused, often that's in childhood, or you're coming to terms with the reality that you actually were abused. So many of us were like, are like, oh my God, like they weren't just mean or or I didn't deserve that or I didn't put myself in the position. No, 
you were abused and then fa- and then we face the abuse, which is why that's session two. And then we understand, I'm sorry, reverse that. We understand the abuse. We understand what happened and then we face it. Those are the three stages that are the hardest. If you can get through those first three stages, you are really set, setting yourself up foundationally to start to go into some of the deeper work, which is having a new voice, which I'm going to actually talk about today, fight or flight, which a lot of us experience, anxiety, panic attacks. You're starting to actually have your real self come out, and that can be really freaking scary, right? And for a lot of us, that manifests in some untreated anxiety, some untreated panic. Um, We have a therapist who actually does that session uh, in the series who talks a lot about tapping, panic, what you can do about some of these conditions that come up, who you can seek, the kind of help you can seek, because we are not therapists here. We are not doctors here. We are just women that have been through this stuff. And we're here to talk about what we've done to heal and become the incredible women we are today. We talk about taking back our body and we talk about the generational abuse, how it can be passed down. And then as we start to get into the later chapters of the book around now, this is kind of, there's 21 chapters in the book. We're about halfway through. We're now in the blossoming chapters of the book. We're in that like emerging that coming out of sort of the darker shadows and we're starting to emerge, which is why it's called emerging from shame because we've looked at our energy. We've started to look at the inner child. Even if we think that's a bunch of bunk, we've started to look at it. And today we're really going to talk about shedding a lot of that old crap and what it's going to look like when we actually are like, hey, I deserve to make a lot of money. I deserve to like have a, a get married to someone who loves me. I deserve to feel good when I wake up in the morning when I exercise my body. And Rebecca Whitman, who's here with us today as an author, is going to do an unbelievable job talking about that because she's got all the special sauce for that. And I can't wait for her to share that today. Let me talk a minute about just who I am, especially if you're meeting me for the first time today. My name is Kim O'Hara. I'm a book coach in Los Angeles. I've helped over 40 plus incredible authors get through their books. A lot of them are first time writers who have incredibly um, talented and have been very successful as business people, or they've been successful in companies, or they've been successful as coaches, and they know nothing about writing a book. Writing a book terrifies them. They come to me, I hold their hand through the whole process and help them get published at the end of the day. And I help them get marketing and standing in their worth with their books. It's something I love to do. I've been doing it for 10 years now, which is hard to believe. I've been published myself with my book that we're talking about today. I've also been in the LA Times, Pro-Age Woman, lots of prestigious magazines. And I today am sober. It's one of the things I'm incredibly proud of. Um, I've been sober for about 10 years and I have two beautiful daughters, two teenagers, and I'm extremely proud of my journey in my relationship with them. They know that I am a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. It is something in my home that is not a secret. They know about it. Um, And they have seen me grow and blossom and expand despite that survivor 
you know, state that I have been in for so long and trying to survive this. Um, let me introduce Rebecca first. So that way I can do my teaching and then I'm going to just pass it sort of seamlessly on to her. But I want you to know what you're in store for today. She is not only this incredible person who is a survivor of emotional abuse in a marriage, but she's an author and she's just this incredible all around human being. She came to my book signing in LA. So she's a supporter of women writing books. And she's also had me on our podcast. So it's really amazing to be able to pay it forward and have her here today and share with you. She's called the Magnetic Abundance Mentor. She's an international best-selling author, and she was awarded Life Coach of the Year and Empowered Woman of the Year. So it's not just Life Coach of the Year, but also Empowered Woman of the Year by the International Association of Top Professionals. She's been featured in LA Magazine as one of the top seven entrepreneurs to watch in 2023, so that's this year, and she is the host of the top 1.5% globally ranked Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant podcast, which also won the Positive Change Award. She's been in New York Weekly, Miami Magazine, and LA Weekly Magazine, and has appeared on ABC, CBS, and has guested on over 100 podcasts. She's also given keynote speeches at Columbia University and UCLA. So I'm really excited for her to teach. We're going to get her for about 15 to 20 minutes, um, and I'll be passing on the stage for her in a minute. So that said... We are going to cruise through a lot of information here in the next 45 minutes. And so I want you to have a paper and pen. Um, there might be some exercises that are asked for you to do. Uh, just, you know, I also want to say this too. Um, on the landing page for this session that you'll be directed to or have been directed to at this point where you're watching this video, we do ask that you buy our books. That is the only charge to get into this series. You buy either my book, if that's the only book you want to buy, this is one you have to have or should have. And you're going to have Rebecca's going to show you her book when she's on screen. So I will also show you her book too. It's here too as well. Okay. So this is also featured on the landing page as well. Um, that's all we ask is just support us, get the books. They're important to have because we're only sharing for 15 minutes each. And you really want to dive into the actual chapters of the book. So let me get into it. So as survivors, why do we feel shame about situations we are in? Why do we feel like we caused them? Like, why is that happening? And why do we feel this sense of blame? And then why do we pass this blame forward to then blame others that we love, right? So it's almost like we've been given the curse of shame and now we pay it forward because we're so uncomfortable with this unrecognized, unrealized, unvetted shame in our bodies that we start to project it onto other people. I am very much a person in this series. And if you've watched all these videos, you will know I am not a victim-y speaker. I do not sit here and go, they did this to me and they should have done it. No, I'm focused on what I need to do to get better, right? So regardless of the fact that I was sexually abused in childhood doesn't give me an excuse to then cause destruction in my life. My job is to look within and get better myself so I can be a more loving creature out into the world. And part of the shame that I held inside that I did not take time to look at for so long 
was covered by addiction, right? So I drank to cover my shame. It was covered by rage and anger, right? So I was so low self-worth inside myself and so full of shame that I was going to make sure that I blamed you for everything. So I didn't feel bad about myself and I projected it out into the world. And I did this very well when I drank, right? When I drank, it gave me the keys to anger, right? So now I was able to be extremely angry and therefore deflect any feelings of shame about myself out onto you. And then of course, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. Then I'd feel incredibly ashamed for how I treated you because I love you. And then you're feel bad. And then I feel bad. And now I'm back into shame. And so it was like this exhaustive spiral that I was in for decades. I mean, decades to not be in that today. I cannot even tell you. It's like, I, 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 my life free of shame is just amazing. I, I don't even, I can't even remember the last time I felt ashamed about anything. So One thing I'll say is that did not happen overnight. I did not start working on this. And one week later, I was shame-free. It took 11 years. It could take longer. It could take shorter. You could be free of shame in two months. I'm not saying it's not possible, but it is deeply embedded in us. And here's the thing. The longer that you've gone denying that you were abused, the longer it's going to take to get rid of the shame because you have embedded it literally into your DNA. And a lot of the teachings that I've done before this session, like your new voice, which is as early on as chapter four, or the inner child, which is some of the later chapters, those help you to get rid of shame, right? Because I say it's better to have a voice and start to speak your truth, then hide it, and then have it come out sideways in all these other ugly ways. And it's also good to know that a lot of that screaming and a lot of that pain is that abused child inside who is screaming to come out. Um, Even people that have been abused later in life have to look at that inner child because there's something that was created in the belief system early, early on in family of origin Or through peers, mentors. I mean, it could be anybody. You could be in professional sports and you could have someone that shames you, blames you, abuses you in some way. And that inner child at that point, whatever age that is, kind of shrinks in. But anyway, this is not an inner child conversation, but you can go back to that recording and you can and you can listen more there. As we break free of shame, some of the benefits are we actually start to have empathy and compassion for other people. I can start to be like, wow, I'm really sorry that that happened for you, period. Or I can be like, wow, you know, I really feel sad for you. I love you and I want you to know I'm here, period. There isn't any like, oh, you're doing this to me and now what have you done? And it's that endless spiral. I'm able to sit in that today and feel empathy and feel compassion for people when before I was really cut off from that. I was really more a honing beacon of how you were going to hurt me whether you were trustworthy, if I determined you were trustworthy, how am I going to get away from you? That was basically my modus operandi, which is why for a very long time up until recently, I was not able to be in very good relationships because I was still working out a lot of that shame and trust issues. 
I also lived in a protective shell, which is something we do when we're in shame, right? We come off as looking like so great. You know, I always had the good like hair and the clothes and the stuff, whatever. And I was in this protective shell that was inside. Like really, I wasn't who I was projecting, who I was saying I was, but I thought that's what I needed to do to make it work in the world. And that lasted for a while um, until I started to realize that my insides really needed to reflect my outsides. And that started to sort of change how I showed up in the world and what I looked like and how I wanted to appear. Um, let me talk about for a minute, the relationship with sound. This is a unique thing I talk about in my book and it may not apply to any, everyone, but I did want to mention it. Because I lived in this sort of isolation tank emotionally within myself, and I didn't have a lot of access to my own feelings, right? I had two feelings, incredibly upset or deliriously happy, and there really wasn't any modulation of anything in between. And everything in between was extremely confusing. So when I heard other people's feelings that came through with sounds, it was almost like I wanted to rip my skin off, right? So if my daughter, and we're talking years ago because my children are teens now, but when my, my daughter was singing really loud in the bathtub, I'd want a creamer. I was like, oh my God, if she doesn't shut up, I'm just going to like, there the, 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 the innocent joy of being in the bathtub was cringy for me. It was like, I couldn't hear it. It was like, she was invading my space. It was a very like, you know, internal triggering experience. And then I'd feel like such a monster that I was this mother who wanted my daughter to just shut up, right? It was even as bad as just a couple of years ago. You know, I have this cat and he's fine and all intents and purposes. I share about this all the time, actually, when I'm in an, in an AA meeting um, and the cat lovers probably can't stand me. But his meowing sometimes makes me just want to throw him out the window because it's so guttural and it's so raw. And I'm just like, shut up. Right. But I've learned again with compassion to go, Oh my God. Hey buddy. You know, like what's up, you know, but before it used to be really bad. And that's because I didn't have, when I was abused as a child and I'm going to say here, this is the only time I'm going to give a tiny trigger warning on this video. I'm not going to say anything graphic, but when I was abused as a child, I was silent. So that means that I went into my adult life with a stifled voice. I didn't know how to make sounds, right? So a lot of survivors learn how to scream into pillows. Breath work can be really helpful when you do like a primal scream into a pillow because you've never been able to scream or like let those sounds out. So hearing other people just freely make sounds was so like, you're not allowed to do that. I'm not allowed to do that. Who's, you know, I was told not to do that. And today I've learned, I sing out loud and I'm happy when people make sounds and I can joke about it. And it's like, I'm in finally the flow of sound in my life, which came through a lot of stuff. I've been to a lot of sound baths and I've been to a lot of sound healings and I've had to have laughing jags, you know, my boyfriend and I laugh hysterically all the time. And I've had to listen lately to the like sound of laughing and think, oh my God, that's me laughing so hard and be so celebratory to the laughing. Um, 
So that's really important to, 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 to talk about is the sound. Um, I give an example. So how do we get through these shame triggers? I want to talk about the shame trigger for a minute. And I go into it very intensively in my book. You kind of need to hone in on what your particular shame triggers are. They're very different for everybody. So for me, a big shame trigger is I don't know how to deal with conflict. So if I believe that I don't know how to deal with conflict, if I inherently believe that story, then I will do things that aren't healthy to get out of the conflict conversation, right? And so I actually have to practice like sinking into my body, getting aligned with like all the, you know, feelings, the nervous feelings, and then practice conscious conversations with people asking for what I want and need while also expressing my awareness of where they might be in that situation. This is like super adulting, right? This is like, whoa, kind of stuff. But when you can learn to master this, it is like life-changing on all levels of your life, in any area that you want to ask for what you want and need, which is where a lot of our shame lies, right? So I give an example of my book, like say a neighbor has been parking too close to your driveway. And every time you drive out of your driveway, you're like a jerk, you know, he's always close to the driveway and you think I should really go say something. The law, you know, and, but then deep, deep inside, there's that little seed of shame and that little low self-worth piece that says, well, I mean, who am I to want to have more driveway space or who am I to like not have to go through so much trouble when I pull out? It is trouble. It is a problem. You don't like it. You need to say something, right? So practicing being able to go to them instead of letting the, the anger build up where you're really pissed off at this person, you and call them names or, you know, do something challenging. You can say something like, hey, you know, every time I pull out of my driveway, I almost hit your car. And it's really worrying me because I know you really love your car and I really don't want to hit your car and neither one of us have time to go to the auto body shop. So would it be possible if you just scooched a little bit up? So every time I pull out, this is a conversation that's involving the needs of both parties, right? Without going to conflict, but in my mind, before I go to that place, I want to take a good week to think about not all the alternatives to that healthy conversation. So I know that's a trigger. So I literally go and have the conversation as quickly as I possibly can before the overthinker gets going and starts to create scenarios that are going to be less pleasant for me and for the person involved. So that's just something to think about. Know your shame triggers because you want to bypass the patterns so you can have a life of more emotional freedom and self-identification. I outline in my book, some other ways to take contrary action. And I'm just going to go through these really quickly. Um, stop running from your past. That's one great way to not trigger shame is to start to look at your past right in the face. I used to be a runner. I would run from all the stuff related to my past that would come up. And if I ever had any feelings, I would get pretty much feral about it. And I'd want to get out, whether that literally meant leaving a restaurant and running down the street in high heels or emotionally running from the conversation. Um, so stop running from your past, replacing that shame feeling with like a new host of feelings, get a feelings chart, 
I was recently given a feelings chart and I could not believe the range of feelings that we are allowed to feel that are so vast and start to identify what those are and stop labeling yourself as just one or two feelings that are connected to that shame trigger. Seeing the shame in others, again, it goes back to that compassion piece. I have a great story in my book about substitute teaching. And this boy had these pencils that would constantly fall off the desk. And I said to him, I said, why don't you put your pencils in a vessel? And he said, because my mom doesn't have any money to buy me one. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, I saw the shame. And I went home that night and realized I had this mug on my porch that was I was going to put a plant in and I didn't put a plant in and I brought it in the next day and I put it on the desk and I dropped his pencils in and I said, now your pencils aren't going to move anymore. Can you believe four years later after I stopped substitute teaching, I saw that boy on campus. He's now a big man. And he goes, you're the lady that gave me the, 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 the cup. Shit. That's big, right? That's an affirmation that you stepped into someone else's shame and you helped them, which also helps you help your own shame. And I'm just going to end on this before I pass it on to Rebecca. Celebrate yourself. There is nothing better than getting out of shame by having a big party for stuff. Celebrate milestones. Don't even sell it. Just celebrate you had a good day, but really celebrate we get so like as we get better one thing i will say is we get a little cocky and we stop celebrating ourselves too right so it's really important to like stand up and be like yeah i've done good yeah i'm a year older but i look good yeah i've done this yeah i've done that have parties invite people you know share your joy with them reflect that back out into the world because it comes right back at you right and we need that we need that fortification we can shut down too quickly and we can go back into our old patterns so fast and i find celebrating get out and dance it's a beautiful summer night go dance with your friends go to a beautiful dinner with your person have fun celebrate we're here to live we spend a lot of time not fully living and you know we get now to live our lives and i highly suggest that once you start feeling better you add celebration into the mix even if you don't want to do it okay so that's enough for me now rebecca is going to share her insights and direction for the path of her emergence from shame and the recovery through of abuse and trauma through the seven pillars of abundance these include spiritual, physical, emotional, romantic, mental, social, and financial. And I'm going to turn it over to her now. Thank you, Kim. That was amazing. And yeah, I love supporting other women. I loved your book launch party. And I loved having you on my podcast. And your book is amazing. And what this chapter reminds me of emerging from shame is no mud, no lotus. So it's actually the painful abuse that creates these beautiful women that we get to emerge into. And I have had a history of emotional and verbal abuse my whole life and romantic relationships, probably because my parents emotionally and verbally abused me. And I was a big student of the law of attraction. I mean, I studied with Michael Beckwith, Abraham Hicks, Wayne Dyer, Louise Hay, Marianne Williamson, but the one area that I couldn't apply it to was my romantic relationships. And I think that's because the shame of the abuse was so deep from my childhood. Even though I had therapists, I didn't get to it. I didn't dig deep enough. And what happened was I was doing well financially. I was sober and I turned 39 years old and I was like, 
if I want to have kids, I've got to get married. And I was dating a guy who I knew wasn't right. He was drinking. He actually talk about abuse. He held a beer up to my lips and said, drink this. I don't believe you're that you're really sober, like literally held a beer to my lips. And I was seven years sober at the time. And I knew he was abusive, but that was all I knew. I didn't know what a healthy romantic relationship was. And I just knew that I'm 39. I got to marry this guy. And I, of course, thought secretly, oh, I'm going to fix him. He's going to get really nice. So he got sober. It did not help. He was even more abusive because he was a dry drunk. And three years after marriage, I filed for divorce. And then the financial abuse started because he wouldn't move out. I was paying for his lifestyle, paying for his lawyer, paying for my lawyer. I mean, it was crazy. And and one of the last conversations I ever had with my dad, my my dad's death paralleled my divorce. And in one of our last conversations, he asked me to write a book and I had no idea what I was going to write. And my dad's funeral was on a Wednesday and my divorce was finalized on a Friday. So within 72 hours, I lost my dad and my marriage. And six months later, I'm sitting across the desk from my financial planner. And he said, Rebecca, I know you lost your dad. You got divorced, but you're having your best financial year ever. And I think you should write a book and share with women how you became more so resilient this year and how you actually became a millionaire this year while you had such tragedy. So I looked at my life and I looked at all areas of my life. Why did the divorce not bring me down? And it's because I was living life holistically within seven key areas, which I like to call my seven pillars of abundance. And these are the things that I did to pull myself out of shame. Some of these I did before the divorce and before the loss of my dad and the momentum of these pillars carried me through. And some of them I really leaned into to emerge from the shame of getting divorced and to emerge from the verbal, emotional, and financial abuse. I actually had to pay him to move out and end the marriage. And he sued me for spousal support, even though we were only married three years. So what did I do to go from completely devastated by this divorce, emotionally distraught about my dad to becoming what I like to call balanced, beautiful, and abundant, which is the goal for me is to be balanced, beautiful, and abundant. So the first pillar of abundance is spirituality. And spirituality is the first pillar because that is the foundation of my life. I have been doing a journal format that I got in 1990 at a 12-step meeting. I got it from a woman named Janet. I never saw her again. And I've been doing this journal format every single morning, no matter what was happening in my marriage or in my relationships. And this really carried me through. I also, in a morning practice, read from spiritual literature and do prayer and meditation. And I really believe that if you are connected to a power greater than yourself, whatever that is, nature, God, Allah, the universe, Jesus, Buddha, whatever you call it. As long as there's something that you can have faith in that you believe is going to carry you through, because walking out of shame takes a lot of courage, and I couldn't do my do it by myself. I had to have faith that there was something bigger than me that wanted me to get to the other side, that wanted 
me to be balanced, beautiful, and abundant at the other side. Spirituality is so important to know that there is something out there that loves you more than anything you could ever imagine. So spirituality is the foundation of living a happy life and emerging from shame. The second pillar of abundance is fitness or health. Now, I remember when I was going through the divorce and even while I was in the abusive marriage, I would work out in the morning no matter what, no matter what. I would do my morning ritual, my spirituality, then I would go right into my fitness. And I remember my ex-husband would like make fun of me. He'd be like, oh, you're going to the gym. Where's your six pack? Like he would actually make fun of my body. He would say, I don't even believe you're going to the gym because you're not sweaty. I think you're like having an affair. He would like give me a lot of verbal abuse around this practice of going to the gym, but I went, I went religiously and I went to the gym no matter what. And I really believe that when you exercise, you're showing yourself that you have self-love and especially if your body was abused, it's very healing to show your body self-love by working out and taking care of your body. Health and fitness is also eating well, eating nutritiously, hydrating your body, drinking plenty of water. When I was in an abusive relationship, I had a lot of negative feelings and I had to move them out of my body through exercise and through water. I would feel so much anger and so much pain and I would just like use that to work out. I think it's such a great outlet for shame and pain. So that's the second pillar. The third pillar is emotions. And that's what shame is. It's an emotion. So I believe that all emotions, and this is uh, from A Course in Miracles, it's not my teaching. um, All emotions come from two base emotions of fear or love. So shame, blame, uh, jealousy, resentment, bitterness, that's all fear. Uh, And then happiness, contentment, bliss, appreciation, gratitude, excitement, that's all coming from love. So I had to learn how do I, I don't want to live in the shame. Now, I'm not saying don't feel the negative emotions and paint a happy face. Definitely feel them. But I don't want to live in them because then I couldn't recover and carry carry that. uh, I didn't want to carry the negativity into my day. So I would go to the gym, exercise, get out a lot of the pain. And then I was like, okay, I am going to choose to be happy today. I am going to choose to be of service. I am going to choose to be open-hearted and open-minded. How do I go from the fear channel to the love channel and record-breaking time through a gratitude practice? If I'm grateful for what I have, I will not be on the fear channel. I will be happy that I'm alive, that I can learn these lessons, that I that I have these messy relationships to sculpt my soul and teach me about love and life and relationship. And I got grateful about simple things like having four limbs, having 10 fingers and 10 toes, having all internal organs intact, having a car, having a cell phone, very simple things. I encourage you to get a gratitude practice. The next pillar of abundance is romance. Now that pillar was at, you know, a zero. I like to rate them between zero and 10. That was at a zero. When I got divorced, it was at a zero. I knew I was brokenhearted. And I just remember saying, I'm just going to take a break. I'm not going to think about men, talk about men. All I wanted to do was just like relax and think of myself as if I had a flu. When you have a flu, 
you're like, I can't go out. I can't, you know, see friends. I was just like, I'm just going to be really calm when it comes to my love life. Guys asked me out. I was like, I'm, I'm not available right now. I'm healing from my divorce and my dad's death. And I'm just not available. But eventually because the other six pillars of life were at a level 10, I healed and I was able to have a good romantic life. And now I'm married to my soulmate and it's a totally different style of relationship because I learned my lesson. I learned not to pick a narcissistic man anymore because I got devastated by it. The next pillar of abundance after romance is mental. That is what this whole interview series is about. Working on your mindset, expanding your mind, learning. Like uh, Kim said in her book, the blessing is in the mess. The message is in the mess. What are you learning from this situation that you could not have learned any other way? So the next step is to work on your mindset. Listen to podcasts. Uh, listen to audibles, read amazing books. There's, we're just in the golden age of mindset work and there's so much out there to support you and healing from the shame of abuse. There's, there's just a plethora of information. The next pillar of abundance after mental is social. And when I was going through a divorce, I really leaned on the women, especially the women in my 12 step group. I would just share everything. I didn't hold anything back. And I let them love me through it. And I let them carry me through it. And I listened to people that had experienced what I experienced and got to the other side and they gave me hope. I listened to women who said, oh my God, yes, I had a terrible, bitter, nasty divorce and he he didn't work and he tried to you know take all my money and I got through it and now I'm okay. And I really relied on my tribe to get me through it. And if you don't have a tribe and you're emerging from shame, I encourage you to get one, find a Facebook group, get in touch with people like me and Kim, plug into your yoga classes, temples, churches. I actually went to um, a free uh, thing in Santa Monica for women who is, who were recovering from abuse, because I'm like, I need some more support. I need community and to hear from other women who have got gotten through this. So community creates immunity. Make sure you have the social pillar of life going when you're emerging from shame. The next pillar of abundance after social is financial. And there's a lot of uh, women that are emerging from emotional, physical, mental, and financial abuse is real. There are women out there that either like me, I was the breadwinner and I was financially abused because he wouldn't work and then he sued me for support. And then there's women out there that are in the other uh, extreme. You know, you were relying on your partner for food and shelter and they completely cut you off and you have no way to pay your bills and no way to advocate for yourself because you're forced to stay with someone who's being abusive because you literally need food and shelter. So I encourage women, find a way to make money, find a way to make money. Money for money's sake is greed, but having money gives you freedom. It gives you the freedom to do what you want, when you want, where you want, and with whom you want. And if you have a phone, if you have a phone, you can make money from your phone. There are so many online businesses and so many home-based businesses where you can make money from your phone. 
you, you can do this. There are women that were just like you that were in your financial shoes at a bottom, totally reliant on an abuser. And they found a way to make money. And, and I know you feel stuck and I know you feel trapped, but I will tell you that you can be financially fit. You can get away from your abuser. Having someone pay your bills is not a reason to ruin your life. There are also government programs that can help you get free from your abuser. So there's, there's no reason why money should make you feel trapped. So that is an overview of the seven pillars of abundance. I can't believe what my life looks like now. I mean, this marriage was abusive. I was also in another relationship when I was in my uh, late twenties, I had a gun pointed at me. Like I've been through some crazy, crazy abusive relationships. I didn't even know that love could be easy and fun and that there could be serenity. I thought love was pain, passion, um, drama. I thought that that's love. That's romantic love. There's got to be a lot of pain and there's got to be fighting and drama and screaming and tears. And now I'm in a relationship that is totally different. And I don't think I would have accepted this man that I'm married to now five years ago, had I not gone through the pain. Well, actually I met him five years ago. It's time's flying. Well, eight years ago, I would not have accepted him because I would have thought he was too easy, too boring. It's not love, it's friendship. And now I know that love is very gentle. It does not have to be mean and harsh and abusive. And when somebody is mean, whether it's a friend, a boss, anybody, I will walk away, a coworker. I will not accept any more verbal or emotional abuse. I am so sensitized to it after what I've been through. I believe that there's no such thing as neutral energy. People are either loving you, they're supporting you, and they're lifting you up, and they're they're giving you love, or they are draining you, and they're being negative, and they're they're being detrimental. And if somebody says something that I'm not sure what they mean, I will ask them, "Wow, that hurt. What do you mean by that?" And I and I go where the love is now, and life. It's not perfect, but it's beautiful now. I'm in a beautiful flow state with my marriage and my finances. I'm making incredible new friends like Kim, who is a new friend. And I'm I'm so just amazed about what life can be if you're willing to just let go of shame, love yourself, take these seven pillars of life and work on them one by one. And thank you so much, Kim, for allowing me to speak on your beautiful series. And I just love everything you're creating. And I hope the women that are listening are inspired by my story, because I know that if I can emerge from shame and have a beautiful, loving relationship and a financially and beautiful life, abundant life that you can too. So thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca. That was so amazing. Um, and if you want to Im- unmute, we can have a little conversation here for a second. I wanted to just point out something you said that really, like, I underlined. I mean, first of all, like, I took millions. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is like a free class for me. So I was like, wow, like, this is, it's like if you live on these seven pillars, like, yes, you know, but what you said was, Walking out of shame takes a lot of courage and recovering from abuse is a courageous thing. 
And anyone listening here, you know, I think that needs to be emphasized. Where would you say that that was the point that you knew you were courageous? The most courageous thing I did in this marriage, I mean, I'll tell you on both because I'll talk about the relationship where the guy was pointing a gun at my head. Um, I was living with him. He was drunk. We were in a fight. We had a dog. And I said, I've got to go. I've got to go. The dog's got to go to the bathroom. I, there was, it was, this was pre-cell phones uh, to date myself. And I went to a hotel. I used a payphone. I called the police and said, I can't go home tonight. There's a drunk guy with a gun and I don't feel safe. That was the most courageous thing I did. And that saved my life Mm -hmm. because had I not done that, I might not even be here today on this interview. So that was a huge act of courage. And that, that took a lot, you know, to get away and to call the police on him. A lot of women will not, they're so loyal and they're so, they have Stockholm syndrome that they don't want to get their abuser in trouble of any kind. I didn't know that he had uh, left Kentucky because he had a DUI and that he was wanted by the state of Kentucky because he was not allowed to leave. He was on probation. So he ended up getting arrested that night and I never saw him again. You know, and that's a really good point. That's part of the denial. Part of the denial that we carry from our abuse, emotionally, sexually, all of that, is we don't do the proper investigation. And I'm not saying that to shame anyone. It's just, oh, it's fine. Oh, I'm sure it's fine, right? Versus like, because I know when I started really like vetting people in my life, when I started really like owning that my life was worthy and that I had the right to surround myself, like you talked about, with people that are beautiful, that like seriously, if anyone starts to be like a jerk to me or has any edge of something, I don't have time. I don't care if you you, you had a bad day. Like, no, show up with integrity. But before I started doing this work, I would feel like ashamed if I wanted to like check out somebody's like track record or like I'd sign up for their story. I'd be like, okay, that sounds good. Right. Because I didn't have any worthiness. Right. And I think that now that I'm in the place I'm in today, it's like, I would do checks on people. And I also go, I follow my intuition too, sometimes with people, like I'm not like so paranoid, but I definitely follow my gut. And if I feel like something needs to be further investigated, I don't feel shame anymore for protecting myself. And if that person shames me for trying to figure out something about them, then that's a red flag too, right? Oh, for sure. And uh, the other moment of courage was just filing my divorce papers because I told myself at the end of, I don't even remember the year, 2014, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it by December of this 2014. And then that had come and passed. And then it was July of 2015, like six months later, and I had procrastinated and procrastinated. Finally, I had to go with a friend and she went with me to file for divorce and meet with my lawyer because I, I, I was so scared to do that just to make that first step, even though I wanted to be out. And that just goes back to your point. That's talking about like when you started sharing in AA meetings and you started finding like that you couldn't do this alone. It's like, we don't have to feel shame for asking people to go with us to things. We don't have to be these like warrior women all the time. We can be, but like bring other warrior women. Right. And then like, in the numbers, we gain more courage in our recovery because, you know, we don't have to do this alone. 
I just want to thank you so much for coming today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to hold this space with you and um, share this out in the world and your incredible, you know, talk that you give. You're such a beautiful speaker. If you're tuning in today, please know that our next, this will be up. This is, you're watching this because it's up on the landing page. Please share this with anybody you think that needs it. The whole purpose of this series is to put it out into the world and have it reach all those women that are still suffering, that are not facing that they've been abused, that do not, that are still under the shadow of shame. And so all we ask is if you enjoy this, please share it on social, please forward it forward. Please let anyone you can know, because that's the purpose of this whole series is to pay it forward and put it out into the world. Our next uh, recording will be on denial memories. And I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you so much for listening to the Balanced, Beautiful, and Abundant show. I am your host, Rebecca Whitman, taking you from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. I am hosting a weekly women's circle on Tuesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, where you get to experience my coaching for free. It is open and it is amazing for accountability, support, and community. All you have to do is go to the link in bio to reserve your spot, and I can't wait to meet you on a live Zoom call. I also am having an amazing summer promotion called the Five Day Drop. Lose five pounds in five days, guaranteed. It's a great way to detox your body. It's a metabolism reset, and it will help you feel balanced, beautiful, and abundant all summer long. So make sure you go to the link in my bio to learn about the five-day drop. I am so appreciative of you listening to my show. The best compliment you could ever pay me is to rate, review, subscribe, and share with a friend because I know you know other people who want to go from burned out and overwhelmed to balanced, beautiful, and abundant. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Bye.